0: Well, good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing on this wonderful daylight savings Sunday? And, yeah, I, I heard a few grumbles out there. And I, honestly, I think daylight savings this time of year actually works well for my family because my kids are such early risers that when they're actually getting up, it's actually an hour later. So I, it, it's weird how that works out, at least for the first Sunday. But uh, that that's the way it works, and and so I. I got out of the house this morning before anybody else pretty much was up, um, which was not usually what happens on a Sunday morning. But uh, welcome. Thank you all for being here. We're so glad you're here today. If you're a guest with us, my name is Nathan Harris. I'm the the lead pastor here at Celebration Center. And we're in a series called Generous. We're actually wrapping this series up. This has been a four-part series. We're in the fourth part this morning called Generous. And this series is based on one of our core values, which is generosity. We want to be generous in all that we do and, and, and even the way that we approach what we do. And it's, uh, so we're looking at generosity. Here's the big idea that we're working off of for this, this series. Generosity is normal. It's not weird. It's not for some super big spiritual giant few people out there. It's not for people who have a lot of throwaway money, all right? Sometimes we think, well, I can't be generous because I don't have much. No, generosity isn't about how much we have. Generosity is, is this. It's we are the recipients of the greatest gift the world has ever known. And since we have freely received, we now freely give. Generosity is simply sharing what we have. That's it. It has nothing to do with how much we have, what the abundance or lack that we have, or anything in between. It's just sharing what we have. And this comes straight out of the gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8. Jesus is getting ready to send his disciples out on their very first solo um, uh, short-term missions trip. Okay, up to this point, he's gone with them everywhere. He has uh, he has been teaching them. He's been doing most of the stuff and he's sending them out. He's sending them out to, to deliver uh, the, the message and and to bring people into his kingdom. And this is what he says. Verse seven, as you proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Verse eight, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Now, Jesus is saying to do these things and that's pretty incredible that we get invited into doing this this kind of stuff and it may sound a little bit weird but here's the deal with with all of those things. They are signposts, okay, that God is undoing all of the curses. God is undoing all of the problems in the world and so whenever we see those things happening, we understand God is moving. God is making things new, all right? So, So Jesus says, preach the message but also live the message, okay? That's what he says. And then he wraps up this way, freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. You guys, that's what's at the heart of this core value of generosity for us. Sharing what we've been given without worrying about what we don't have. Oh, I don't have enough. I can't possibly give this because I don't have enough of it for myself. I don't have enough of it for my family. I might lose out on on something good if I do share it. Now, I think there are, there are three main things, and we've been talking about this. There are three main things that we all have to one degree or another that we can share this way. All right, here they are. Time, talents, and treasure. Time, talents, and treasure. Now, we, we all have these things. We might not all have the same amount of them, except the time. Everybody's got the same 24 hours in a day that everybody else does. I realize it feels like that uh, our, our, our time is short and we don't have enough of it, but I, I promise you, you have the same amount of time every single day that everybody else sitting around here does. Some of us have more talents than other people, but we all have talents. Some of us have more money than other people, but we all have money. We, we, we all have these things to some degree or another, and we can share them. Now, we've already looked at what it means to be generous with our time and our talents, and if you've missed any of the messages in this series, I I encourage you to go to ccpuallup.com, click on the sermon podcast link, and you can get caught up there. Check that out. That would be good. But today, we're wrapping up the series talking about what it means to be generous with our treasure. Oh, and this one hits us as Americans especially kind of hard because we don't like this. What to do with our money? You can't tell me what to do with my money. I get to tell me what to do with my money. Well, we're going to talk about money this morning. And here's our main thing. All right? We are generous with our treasure when we give. We're generous with our treasure when we give. It's a little bit hard to be generous when we're not giving. So we're, we're generous when we give. Now, like I said, I realize talking about money and giving is a touchy subject. Um. It's a little bit, when somebody comes, I don't know about you, but sometimes when, when somebody comes to me and says, hey, you should do this or you should do that, I'm, I'm a little bit like the little kid who's got a couple of cookies, and their parent says, hey, I want you to share your, one of your cookies with your sibling. What does the kid do? Stuff them both in the mouth, and I'm sorry, I can't share anything. I don't have another cookie to give, right? Because what, what's the thought behind that? I'm going to miss out. I'm not going to have enough. I'm not going to be able to enjoy what I have if I give something away here. That's human nature, right? We're told we need to share something with someone who doesn't have what we have, and we begin to think, but if I do, I might miss out. I won't have enough for that other thing that I was looking forward to or I was hoping for or I want to have. Now, I'm going to read a, a, a lengthier passage here. Uh, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 6 through 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. I'm going to read out of the NIV. This is the Apostle Paul speaking, and he's, he's talking to a church that actually was fairly affluent. They, they lived in a busy area that was known for a lot of trade. It was kind of a bit of a trading crossroads. So it it had a lot of money coming in, and there were a number of people who were, frankly, well off. At the same time, there was a lot of... um, uh, problems happening outside of this area, specifically in Judea. The Apostle Paul is looking to take a, a, an offering to the church in Jerusalem because they're, they're going through some famine and some hardship. And so what he's doing is he's, he's, gonna, he's talking to the Corinthians and he's saying, look, I want you guys to share. And here's what he says. Verse 6, I'm reading out of the NIV. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. He's giving a general principle here. Sowing and reaping. We see the Bible, God talks about this, Jesus talks about this. There's, there's all kinds of places that, throughout the Bible that talk about sowing and reaping. We get what we, we you reap what you sow. Here Paul says, if you sp- sow sparingly, then you're going to reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you're going to reap generously. Verse 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. What you've made up your mind about, not reluctantly or under compulsion, in other words, no arm twisting here. Not like, well, if I have to. I'd rather not. But if I have to. He says, not reluctantly or or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, when he says that God loves a cheerful giver here, he is not saying, oh, man, that person who just gave, they're my favorite. My father-in-law is, is very um, funny this way. He Lots of times you, you do something nice or or... You, you compliment, or or you do something that he wants you to do, or whatever. Oh yeah, you're my favorite. <clears throat> he's teasing. He's totally teasing. He's not actually playing favorites. But God is not like that. He's he's not saying so and so is my favorite because he's given that. That's not the love that's talking about there. He's talking about being being blessed. He's talking. Paul is talking about God blesses the cheerful. Giver. Why? Because the cheerful giver has their heart tied to God. They're getting their life from God, okay? Verse 8, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So here what he's saying is God provides for all of the needs, that's what he says here. God provides for all of the needs. You have nothing to fear. And as God, as as you are cheerfully giving and God is, is gladly providing, then you begin to abound more and more in the works. We talked about the works last week. All right. Not that we do these things to earn God's love, but they flow out of God's love for us. We, we grow more in these things. They become more of a hallmark in our lives. We, we become more and more like Jesus, essentially. God provides for all the things. And, and the person who's living in generosity gets to experience the overflow because of God's grace. Grace verse 9 as it is written they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor their uh, their righteousness endures forever paul right here is is quoting psalm 112 and here he's telling the corinthians that their righteousness or their acts and their deeds that prove their who uh, their faithfulness to god excuse me and, and mark them as god's family last forever these things they it's not just like Have you ever um, bought something that later on you discovered it was kind of just a waste of money? It was like, man, I would have done better just to light my dollar bill on fire. You ever feel that way? It's just a one and done type of a thing. Here, what Paul is saying here is that as we engage in this generous giving, it's not like that one-time thing where it's like, okay, now it's just wasted, it's done. It's that that whatever happens there, somehow, some way, God makes it continue to grow and it becomes it, it takes on a life of its own in Jesus Christ. All right. So it's growing more and more. It's not that one and done. It's not that that, oh, I, can, I can't tell you how many times I've wasted money on, on things, right? I just I, I wanted something to eat, so I go to McDonald's, and well, that that's done, now I'm still hungry. Right? Paul is actually talking about something different here. Their acts of righteousness endure forever. It's this ripple effect that keeps going and growing and, and getting bigger. And bigger. Verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Okay, so God is going to grow you. God is going to make uh, what's happening in your life get bigger and bigger. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So God's gift to them results in praise and thanksgiving back to God. It's this, it's this cycle. We, we, you want to know how we get in on God's God's mission and what God is doing in the world? We, we live generously. That's how we do it. We live generously. Generously, because as we do that, then, then strange things begin to happen. Life begins to change around us. People are brought in to God's family. Verse 12, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, so you're not only taking care of other people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. So you're not just investing into somebody, but you're actually part of producing that thankfulness. Verse 13, because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It's this strange thing that happens. that The kingdom economics are so far different from what we're used to in the world around us. The world around us says, You've got to take care of number one first. You've got to hoard. You've got to collect. You've got to make sure you've got enough. And here, God says, I'm going to take care of this stuff. I'm going to take care of the things. Watch me do it. Generosity, this act of giving and meeting the needs of others is at the heart of what it means to be God's People to literally be the new creation people that we are called to be as Christ followers. And it's how we get plugged into God's mission. I love, uh, I've got a favorite Bible scholar, his name is N.T. Wright. Here's what he says about this. If they, he's speaking about this particular passage and the Corinthians, he says, if they realize they are characters in the great drama which is going forwards then the generosity he is urging will come naturally. In other words, you ever been bought in because, hey, I've got a part to play. I'm part of the team. I belong to this process. That's what he's saying here. When we grasp that we've got this role to play, then this generosity becomes more natural for us. In the normal and healthy Christian life, everything proceeds from God's generosity and everything returns to God in thanksgiving. Grace generosity and gra- gratitude he says these are not optional ex- extras of christian living living but they are at the very heart of it all you guys we are characters in god's great drama we are characters with with an essential role to play we have been fr- we have freely received and now we get to freely give So how do we begin to live this way? To live as those who have been given this incredible gift and and we begin to participate in giving that same grace away. If you're taking notes, number one on your outline, here's the first thing. To give generously, we must trust. To give generously, we must trust. Anybody here get... Kind of phone calls on your. I I get them more and more and more on my cell phone. It drives me absolutely batty. Um, I get these phone calls. Sometimes it's from you know it might be from Marriott or someplace like that. Hey, you've been chosen as as the recipient of this free vacation in 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 Hawaii. I got one of those calls the other day, and I was like, man, I I, I got to call them back. If this is true, I got. And then I started thinking, wait a minute, there's always a hook. There's always something, right? So I, I didn't really trust them. Uh, one of my favorite, I'm saying that very facetiously, one of my favorite calls that I've, I've gotten a number of times now, I'll, I'll get a call from somebody in like Sheboygan, Wisconsin or something like that, who's telling me that there is a judge at that very moment, it could be at 10 o'clock at night, but at that very moment issuing a, a bench warrant for my arrest because I haven't paid the IRS what I owe them. You ever get one of those calls? Hey, let, just let me be a spoiler for you. You're not going to jail. It's a scam. All right. Don't call the number back. All right. Um, now, the first time I got that particular call, I, I did Google it to see. I was like, "Oh my goodness, I'm going to get arrested. What? What? What's going on?" I googled it. It was a scam. Um, and from then on, I simply just ignore the message. I block the number. They don't. Then they just call me from a different number. But. Um, uh, You know, but I I don't give it another thought because I don't trust what it says. I don't trust what it says. And when we don't trust something or someone, we don't listen to what they're telling us, do we? We don't follow through with what they say. Jesus said this this is Matthew chapter 6, verses 33 and 34. He says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will, will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own what are all of the these things Jesus is talking about He's talking about the things we need for survival. He's talking about our clothing. He's talking about our food. He's talking about what those basic things that we need. All right? He's talking to a bunch of people who didn't know necessarily where their next meal was going to come from. They were being taxed into oblivion by their fellow Jews and, and the Romans on top of that. All right? So they were lacking and they were concerned about these things, and Jesus says, don't worry about these things. If God takes care of the grass and the birds, why will he not also take care of you? The life Jesus invites us into is based on trusting God first. Because God doesn't make crank calls. Okay? God doesn't make crank calls. He's not going to call you and... (laughs) Let's see if I can get him to squirm. He, 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 he's not promising a trip that we don't end up getting, okay? He's trustworthy. Now, that doesn't mean that he gives us all that we want. Let me be very clear on that. Trusting God, following Jesus, does not mean that you and I are going to get all that we want. Man, I can think of a lot of it that I want. <laughs> I am not promised any of it. Okay? It means that He is going to give us what we need, that we can trust Him to be good and to take care of us. We can be generous because we have a God who is trustworthy. Without the simple kind of trust that abandons our desire to make things happen for ourselves, we can't live generously. So to give generously, first of all, we must trust. Trust. That happens through process, that happens through experiencing life, that happens in the hard times when we maybe are experiencing a little bit of lack and we just simply have to say, okay, God, I I, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm going to continue to follow you. That's trusting. So let me ask you this, how are you at trusting God for what you need? Do you think... You've got to take care of everything yourself or do you lean on God for what you need as you're faithful to him? Because that's trust. To give generously, we must trust. Number two on your outline, to give generously, we must understand we are stewards. To give generously, we must understand that we're stewards what am I talking about when I, when I say that we're stewards? Um, a steward is someone who takes care of someone else's property on their behalf. Okay, that's what a steward does. It's, it's like the time, my, uh, for a while, my wife and I, we were down to one vehicle, and my, uh, my father-in-law went out of town for, uh, he was out of town for a couple of weeks, and so he graciously said, you know what, you can drive my car. There was one stipulation. He was enrolled in one of those uh, insurance programs where they have the little monitor on the hooked up to the car that that registers how quickly you accelerate, how fast you decelerate, and all of that. And so you can actually get your your uh, insurance rate lowered based on how well you do with this. He said, "Just drive like an old man." <laughs> That's what he said. Drive like an old man. Uh, don't slam on your brakes. Make sure there's lots of space in between you and the other people, and, but feel free to, to, to drive the car. It was his car that I was getting to drive, but I had to take care of it the way he wanted me to take care of it. In the same way, we need to understand that our lives are not our own. Our lives don't belong to us. That includes the gifts and the talents that we have, that we've already talked about, but it also includes our finances. Everything we have ultimately belongs to God. We simply get to take care of it on his behalf, using it all to serve him. Jesus uh, told a parable in Matthew chapter 25. I'm just going to read a couple of the verses. Verse 14, he says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. All right? So the, the man, the, the master, he, he's going away, but he entrusts his wealth. He doesn't say he gives it away for, for people to use it just for their own purposes or whatever. He says he entrusts it to his servants. Verse 19, skipping down. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. He comes back. He says, all right, what have you been doing? How are things going? How have have things turned out? As Jesus tells this parable, he makes it clear that some of the servants did good job stewarding what, what their master entrusted to them while others did not. There were the two that 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 uh, if we if you read this whole parable, two of the, the servants were able to increase the money. They invested it well, they were wise with it, and, and they got a return on it. One one servant buried it. He hid it, he was afraid. It's not even that he blew it, he didn't even blow it. He just buried it. He didn't put the he didn't put the money to work so that it, it increased. Now, Jesus tells this parable to his disciples. He's not telling this parable to to people, to religious leaders, telling them, hey, you guys better figure this out and get on the right track. He's telling this to his followers. And he's warning his followers to stay the course and to steward well what God has entrusted. We need to understand That all of life, all that we have, including our money, has been entrusted to us. We are stewards for God and his kingdom. Now, I don't want anyone to start freaking out and thinking that God is going to come down hard on you for making mistakes. We all make mistakes, right? I've made plenty of them. Um, I've overpaid for things that I shouldn't have overpaid for. That's a mistake. God isn't going to squish me. He's not going to zap me with lightning. Okay, he's got grace. What Jesus is talking about in this parable is the overall trajectory of our lives, our attitudes, the way we view our lives and our actions. Are we using all that we have to benefit God and his kingdom, or are we taking care of ourselves first? That's the question we have to answer. Are we using all that we have to, to invest into the kingdom to help build the kingdom? Or are we taking care of ourselves first? God has been incredibly generous and gracious to us. He has given us all that we need for life and godliness. We've looked at this verse, 2 Peter 1:3. He provides homes for us to live in, he provides jobs for us so that we can earn the money, we can provide for our families so that we can take care of the things that we need to take care of. The question remains, how are we stewarding what we have been entrusted with? Because we are stewards. We have been entrusted. How are we doing with what we've been entrusted with? We need to understand that we're stewards. Number three, on your outline. To give generously, we must give sacrificially. To give generously, we must give sacrificially. Now, I want <clears> to <throat> kind of clear something up here. Giving, sacrif- giving sacrificially, excuse me, a oh, tongue, tongue twister. Maybe the time change has gotten to me a little bit more than I thought it did. Giving sacrificially doesn't mean that we don't take care of our bills, it doesn't mean that we neglect our families. It doesn't mean that we go into debt so that we can give money away to some ministry or some thing. Or any, That's not giving sacrificially. That's being unwise. Okay? It means that we live out the trust and stewardship that we've already talked about. That's, that's being sacrificial. Mark, chapter 12, verses 41 through uh, 44. Jesus, there was, there's a story here. And I love this story. Jesus, uh, verse 41, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. He's in the temple with his disciples. Okay, it's getting close to his, uh, his crucifixion here in, in Mark. He's starting to wrap up his ministry, and, and there's a place in the temple where you would go and you would put your offerings. Everybody was supposed to do this. Okay? So he's sitting opposite this place. He's watching it. Many rich people threw in large amounts. It was not uncommon for them to do this. They would go and they would make a big show of it. Piles and bags of gold. All right? Look at me as I give to God. I am doing so well. Glory to me. Right? That's what they were doing. Many rich people threw in large amounts. Verse 42, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. All right, so I want you to see the disparity here. We got lots on one hand and we got very little on the other, right? But it doesn't turn out maybe as we might think it would. Verse 43, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. Jesus doesn't say that she just put in more than that guy did. He says she put in more than all the others. What do you mean? They're putting bags and piles of gold into this offering, right? And she two copper coins? I mean, I tell my kids all the time, pennies are worthless. Right? They're excited. They, I, I, we got to stop in the middle of the street to pick up a penny. It's worthless. Right? That, that, that's what, this, that's what this, this old lady gives. This widow, this poor widow gives. She gives something worthless. And Jesus says that she's given way more than everybody else. Verse 44, they all gave out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. They were holding back. The rich people were probably holding back. They had much more to spare, they could afford to give all of that because they had a whole lot more, they could maintain their lifestyle. A while back, my wife and I took Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. Anybody else here ever taken that? Really good course. Uh, Really highly recommend it. Uh, I'd love for us to run it here at some point. But um, we adjusted what, what it looked like for us to pay our bills because of that course. Okay? It's not that we had more money to work with. We had the same amount, but... By adjusting our priorities, we were able to get some things paid down in short order. But here's the key we had to adjust our priorities. You see, sacrificial giving doesn't have a price tag. We don't get judged, or God doesn't judge us by the amount we give, He's asking us to step up our sacrifice. Sacrificial giving is when we adjust our priorities and invest in what is most important with whatever we do have. It's investing in what is most important with whatever we actually do have. You're not expected to give what you don't have. That's not sacrificial giving. That's not being sacrificial. In the Mark passage, we just read, Jesus was far more impressed with the amount of the sacrifice than he was with the amount of the money. Why? Oh, I, something about the, the, the loaves and fishes comes to mind, right? God is able to multiply whatever it is that we give. The, the amount that we give isn't the, the key. The, 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 what's the key is our heart. Where is our heart at? Are we bought in? To God, to his kingdom, what is our priority? The widow spent her money based on her priorities while the rich gave a lot, but they did it for show. Now, I know this may be uncomfortable, but God wants to challenge all of us, including me. All right, so I'm right here with everybody else. What are our priorities? What are your priorities? I'm not trying to shame anyone. Like I said, I have to ask myself this very same question. And frankly, there are times when I recognize that my priorities are focused more inward on me than outward on what God wants. That's the truth. In those times, I simply need to recognize that's what's happening, confess it, and change my direction. So this question, like I said, is for me as well. What are our priorities? What might God want us to do to change our priorities? Don't focus on the amount. Focus on your priorities and and with what you do have. Okay? Being generous in the way we've been looking at here this morning is all about joining God in what he's doing. It's trusting him. It's knowing that no matter what, he's with me. He's with us. He's going to provide what we need. It's living as God's new creation people and giving away what we've been given because we know God provides all that we need. So part of living the generous life, you guys, is being generous with our treasure. It's being generous with our treasure. So we've got some opportunities. We've already taken the offering, so we're not going to pass the offering plate again. All right? I'm not, I'm not that pastor. <laughs> this isn't a shakedown, but we do have some opportunities here. Some very practical ways to be generous with our treasure. One is to give to Celebration Center. Again, I'm not passing the plate around, so you don't have to worry about it. Each week, we take an offering that goes to support the ministry and the mission of this church. And because of what you give, we are able to invest in in ministries like our Adventureland Kids ministry that's happening upstairs, those elephants that you're hearing every Sunday morning. It's glorious. We're able to invest in those kids because of what you guys give. We're able to have our facility because of what you give. We're able to, to consider doing the, the, uh, the Easter egg hunt because of what you give. We're able to do what we do because you invest. All right? So that, that's, a, that's a one way. Another way, another opportunity, buy food and donate to our Zeigler Meals Ministry. Did you guys know that we're we are supporting like 18 families? I believe actually it's like 18 families through Zyger Meals. That means that kids who don't have another option are getting meals on the weekend where they may not be able to get that. And you know how that happens? Because of your generosity. Because you're giving. So that's an opportunity. Uh Check out what the, the list of stuff that, that's needed. Purchase some stuff. Donate it so you can do that. A, a, a third way, find someone in your world, whether in our church community or in your neighborhood or maybe at your work, that you can simply bless one-on-one. Um, for a while, there was a number of homeless people in the Springfield area where um, we were. my wife and I were living, Springfield, Oregon area where uh, they were kind of just sitting out by a McDonald's, and every so often, whenever we'd drive by, we'd just go through the McDonald's drive through Here's some breakfast. Here's some lunch. We'd bless them that way. I will never, ever forget the time... Um, uh, I remember we, we were not doing... As a kid, we were do- not doing so well financially. We were kind of dirt dog poor. And... Um, my dad was a staff pastor and we didn't have money for groceries. We came home one evening and there was a porch full of groceries. I didn't understand my family's finances, but even as a kid, I knew somebody had been generous. Generous. I knew somebody was acting in love. I knew someone was taking care of God was taking care of us through somebody else's generosity. And, and you know, lots of people like to quote the verse in the Bible oh, you know, God's got this, He's got the, the cattle on a thousand hills. He can take care of all of this. Guess what? You and I, we're the cattle on the thousand hills. That's the fact. We are the provision. What if we began to think of ourselves as God's provision? I know we we, want to look for the really cool miracles and, and all of that, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't enjoy those when we see them. But what if you're the miracle? What if I am? Uh, Jake, do you want to go ahead and come on up? I want to have the ushers come up. We're going to take communion. and um, So go ahead and just begin to, to grab those and pass them out uh, as Jake plays the music here. Uh, I want us to hold this and to take it together. Now... So you're aware, we, we, you know, obviously there's lots of germs flying around right now, and we're not freaking out about it or anything like that. But uh, to take, help take care of things, we've actually double cupped communion. So you grab the, the the top cup has the juice, and the cup underneath of it has your little cracker in it. So you just grab that. We're not grabbing out of the same dish or anything like that. All right. So you don't have to worry about that this morning, but just make sure you get both of those. Yeah, go ahead and just start passing that, those out, guys. Or folks, I should say. Um, and hold them. You guys, as we as we are preparing to take communion here, one of the things that we need to understand is that this represents the greatest gift in the history of the universe we're told that on the night that Jesus was betrayed he took the cup and he took the bread he, 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 bro- he breaks the bread and he says this is my body broken for you he takes the cup afterwards and he says this is my blood shed this is the new covenant for you as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup do it in remembrance of me this is this is representative of God's generosity to us I and and so I want us to take this minute Right now to celebrate that. As as the ushers just wrap up passing out the, the communion here, if you need to just bow your head, close your eyes. Take a minute just to thank God for his generosity. Jesus, thank you for your, your broken body. Thank you that your body was broken for us. We look to you as our provision, our bread of life the one who gives us what we need. Let's take the bread together. Jesus, thank you for your shed blood. That you were generous with your life. That it cost you everything. And that you've brought us into your family. You literally poured out what you had for us. Let's take the cup. Father, we thank you for all that you have given us, for your very presence, that we are your people because of your action on our behalf. I pray that you would help us to celebrate that fact by joining you in being generous in our time our talents, and yes, even our treasure, God. That our lives would overflow because of your goodness to us. And out of that overflow, we would be able to give away to the other church people around us, to the people outside of our church community. People who don't know you yet that we would live a life that is celebrating you by giving away what you've given to us. Trusting you, stewarding well, and living sacrificially, God. Maybe you're here and you haven't yet begun your life as a Christ follower, but you're ready, you want to. I'm gonna say a prayer, just make this yours. God, thank you for your love, for your generosity to me. I want to accept that today. Make me part of your family. Make me your child. Let my life reflect your goodness. And make me part of you, I pray. Jesus, for anyone who made that prayer theirs, give them your presence today. Let them know that you are with them always and forever. That no matter what happens, no matter what's happening in the world, no matter what's happening out of their control, that you are there. That your gift still remains. And God, help us all to remember that and to live out of that reality. Lord, bless us as we go from this place. Bless us with your presence and teach us to become more and more like you. To be your gift in the world around us, God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.